Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Stephen Robles delivers a message titled, Thankful Reflection. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hello, welcome to the Crossing Church. Can you keep that applause going as we welcome our South Shore campus with Pastor Hector, Plant City campus with Pastor Michael, and everyone watching online and around the world. We're so glad you joined us today, and we're so glad you're here at our Tampa campus as well. It's an honor to speak on the stage once again, and I want to thank Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara for that opportunity. Pastor Greg will be back next week kicking off our Christmas series. Can you believe it? It's Christmas already. But Pastor Greg, Pastor Tamara, we love you. You show them your appreciation as well. Can't wait to see you again next weekend. It's amazing. This year is almost at an end, and we're in what I like to call the in-between. We're in that in-between time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? where time seems to slow down and speed up all at the same time. It's hard to know what's going on. You know, but I think science has proven that every trip to the mall between Thanksgiving and Christmas takes a year off your life. It's been a recent scientific study on that. You know, I once, I once heard this on a podcast, and maybe you can relate to this too. I feel like when you think about our year, you know, the calendar year, it kind of has a shape. And, uh, you know, when you start the year, January, February, March, you're trucking along and you, you kind of make that slow right turn into April, May, graduations, end of the school year, and then you turn into the summertime, you go travel, vacation, then you make that hard right angle right into the fall, right? You got September, October, November, and then when you hit Thanksgiving, it's like someone pulled the e-brake and you careen into the December and holiday season falling back into January. I don't know if you feel like that too. But on a more heartfelt note, I think this time of year feels like this. I'm not sure who to attribute this quote to, but I heard it said, I love the days after Thanksgiving and before Christmas where meaningful reflection intersects with heightened anticipation. That time between Thanksgiving and Christmas where meaningful reflection intersects with heightened anticipation. You know, it's during this season of the year where there's such a mix of emotions. There's nostalgia and reflection on the past year and maybe even on your life. And then there's mixed emotions about maybe people you're going to see this holiday season or things you need to do. But there's also those fun things as well. You get to experience parties and there's gifts. And one of my favorite pastimes, the awkward small talk at parties. That was sarcasm if you didn't catch that. A little sarcasm. But as we head into this next season full of busyness and full of shopping and last-minute cooking, I want to encourage us that we take that tone of thankfulness that we focus on on Thanksgiving, but that we actually take it through this next season, that we start developing a life of thankfulness, a life of gratitude, that daily we can be thankful for the things around us. And I want to start with this story from Scripture in Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 11, it's a story of 10 men who were struck with a skin disease. They had leprosy, and they went to Jesus for healing. And I want to use this as an example of thankfulness. So Luke 17, starting with verse 11, it says this. While traveling to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, Jesus told them, go and show yourself to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. They didn't even make it to the priest yet. They were healed as they went. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at Jesus' feet, thanking him. 
and he was a Samaritan. That's interesting because Samaritans and Jews didn't get along at this time in history. So it's interesting that it's the Samaritan that comes back to give thanks. And then Jesus said, we're not 10 of you cleansed. Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. It's interesting that 10 men were healed, yet only one returned to give thanks. 10%. 10% of that group returned to give thanks to Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, the title for today's message is Thankful Reflection. How do we cultivate thankful reflection? And with that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place at our campuses and with everyone online. God, I pray that you speak today. Use me, and I pray that as we head into this season, we remember to thank you in and through everything. And we thank you now in Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember that time as a child maybe when you were going to another family house or going to a party and someone had to prepare you to receive a bad gift? Do you remember that time in your life where your parents said, listen, you're gonna get socks. It's gonna happen. But you can't grimace. You can't make a face, right? You have to be able to show appreciation even when you receive a bad gift. Well, as we head into the season, I wanna give you one tip and then one maybe gift idea. One way to avoid bad gifts, I would encourage you not to re-gift. Anybody know what I'm talking about when you re-gift? When you re-gift, it's when someone gives you that thing like an iron or something that you know you're not going to use, you know you don't need, so you keep it in the box, and then next year you give that to someone else. That's a re-gift. But you have to be careful because one day you might end up giving it back to the person who gave it to you, and that's a bad situation. So be wary of the re-gifts. But if you want a good joke gift, I saw this, I just thought it was hilarious. This is a freebie. There's actually a website called Mail a Spud. And it is this service where they will literally write a message and permanent marker on a potato and mail it to someone for you. <laughs> I just thought this was genius. And I've actually done it before. It does work. So if you want to give someone a joke gift, mail a spud. I thought that was pretty funny. But when it comes to receiving bad gifts, maybe you need a little more help. And so I saw this video with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. You might know him as Dr. Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But he kind of shows you how to receive a bad gift and then gives, gives you some tips afterwards. So check this out. Something really critical about my first effort at the Masterclass in this session. I think I overdid it somewhat. So um, I'm going to try just for a more subtle approach here. Oh, shouldn't have. This is huge. It's so heavy. Wow. It's really... <laughs> I love presents that are hard to unwrap because it just makes it more satisfying when you actually do. You do like your sellotape, don't you? Well, I do too. I love sellotape. It's so much fun. It sort of sticks things together. Oh my goodness. It's developing Excel number five solutions. This is amazing. Navigating through the Wellington Cycle Works application. That's, I, I'm always getting stumped on that. It's brilliant. And it's not a present that anyone else would have thought of but you. I really, really, pre oh, good, look at the, here, idiot proof. It comes with its own floppy disk. This is fantastic. So good. Look, here's a really easy, I love it. Well, you know it because you gave it to me. It's really brilliant. Thank you. Now, really, why I think of this is that it's, you know, good for door stopping, possibly recycling, uh, or hitting someone with. It's also absolutely obsolete. It's an outdated mode of anything. You're probably all too young to realize this, but this is called a floppy disk. I'm, I'm too affected by what I did. It was too good. Right. Okay. 
I'm not going to be so patient this time. I'm so excited about this. Oh, yeah! I love it! This is clever because this is such a neutral colour, it will literally go anywhere. Oh, thank you for thinking of that. I love that, that sort of rib texture. That means it's going to just be... Look at that. See, it stands on my hand. Can't wait to light this. Make it short and sharp sometimes. Be quick. You know, get, up, get off the present as fast as you can before, you know, the insincerity starts to creep in or you overdo it because then people know and they go, you sure really... I'm sorry, it's so small. I just don't... You know, just reassure them. Always reassure the present. <laughs> That's pretty good. So we may use some of those tips this holiday season. Thankfully, we don't need those strategies when we thank God for the gifts that he gives. See, everything good and praiseworthy comes from our Father above. James chapter 1, verse 16 says this, Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. We can always trust that the gifts God gives us are good. We just have to remember to give thanks. Like those 10 lepers who were healed, only one out of 10 returned to give thanks. And that gave me pause in my life. Am I only thankful 10% of the time? One out of 10. Am I only thankful for 10% of the things that God gives me? And so sometimes it can be difficult to be thankful. Maybe you're in a season right now where you're not sure what to be thankful for. You don't feel like you have much to be thankful for. I encourage you, the fact that you woke up this morning and are here with clothes on your body are reason to thank him, and breath in your lungs, and the gift of salvation itself. There's reasons to be thankful every day. And what I thought was interesting about the story of those 10 lepers, in the last verse, in verse 19, Jesus tells the one leper who returned and gave thanks, get up and go on your way, your faith has made you well. But he was already physically healed. He was healed on his way to the priest away from Jesus. And now when he returns, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. I almost wonder if Jesus was implying that that gratitude, that life of thankfulness actually makes us well deeper than the physical. That it actually makes us emotionally and spiritually well when we can live a life of thankfulness. So I have three points, three ways where we can cultivate thankfulness in our daily lives, how we can be thankful ongoing. So number one, remember all he has done. Remember all he has done, not just now, but in the past. Those seasons in your life where you might not have things to be thankful for right this second or you struggle with, return to the things that he has done in the past. As the Israelites in the Old Testament headed to the promised land, you know, they left Egypt, wandered in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, Moses, who was leading them, reminded them, don't forget all God has done. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, Moses is telling them this, only be on your guard, diligently watch yourself so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen, so they don't slip from your mind. As long as you live, teach them to your children and grandchildren. Remember, these Israelites saw the plagues in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea as it was split in two. And then God provided for them in the wilderness. As Moses is saying, even now, even though you're not in the promised land yet, remember what God has done for you already. And I thought this was so good because Moses commanded them, when you do get there, he's speaking in faith because Moses did not see them enter. In faith, Moses tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 11, it says, Moses commanded the people, when you have crossed the Jordan into the promised land, these tribes will stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. He says, when you get there, stand on this mountain and build an altar to remember all God has done. And what I love is that 
in the next book, Joshua chapter 4, we see the Israelites do just that. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, The entire nation, having finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at a place where you spend the night, so that this will be a sign among you. God is telling Joshua, Build an altar so you never forget God's faithfulness. Do something to always remind you of what God has done. And then it goes on to say, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You should tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters were cut off. And therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the ark of the covenant were standing. And the stones are there to this day. I love that last line because the writer of the book of Joshua is saying the stones are there at the time of the writing. But if you actually go to Israel on Mount Gerizim where Moses commanded them to go, there's actually a place where it is still believed that the stones that Joshua laid are there still to this day, like today. And on my first trip to Israel, I went to the town of Nablus in Mount Gerizim and here you can see there's more than 12 stones there now. But it's believed that some of those stones were literally the ones that Joshua laid as a, as a mark of the promise, that God had brought them into the promised land. And so I'd encourage you, maybe it's keeping a journal. Maybe it's just a note in your phone where you write down the things that God has done for you, the blessings that God has provided for you. And years later, if you look back, you would be amazed at God's faithfulness through the years. Amen. And also would encourage you this, as you try to develop a life of thankfulness, don't be tempted to compare your blessings with someone else. When you begin to compare, go ahead, you can clap for that. Don't compare. You see, comparison is the thief of thankfulness. I'm so glad I got that out. I wasn't sure if I could do it. The thief of thankfulness. <laughs> But when you begin to compare your life to others, you'll immediately lose that thankfulness attitude. You know, it's interesting, even Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 43 through 45, he's talking to the people. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I think it's so interesting that even there, Jesus is saying God's blessings fall on everyone, whether they serve him right now or not. Maybe you can remember times in your life where it was probably God blessing you and you didn't even serve him yet. And you think of the beauty of God's creation, even now. Anyone can admire its beauty, whether they attribute it to him or not. I think of the Victoria Falls in Africa. This is along the Zambezi River. It's one of the seven wonders of the world, the largest waterfall in the rainy season. Just incredible display of God's glory. And it can be appreciated by the just and the unjust. Whether someone knows Christ right now or not, they can see it and admire its beauty. And I thank God for that. We should be thankful that God loves all of his children. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we didn't deserve it, Christ still loved us enough. You know, God listens to the prayers of those saved and unsaved. And we should thank him for that. Because he listened to us even when we were not serving him. 
I listened to a lot of podcasts, but I was listening to another podcast and it was an atheist talking. And he says, I don't believe in God until there's turbulence on an airplane. <laughs> when there's turbulence, I don't know who I'm praying to, but I pray to him hard. <laughs> and everyone becomes a Christian at turbulence on the plane. And maybe you struggle with this. Maybe you struggle with even envy, seeing those succeed who don't serve God and you wonder, why don't I succeed? Well, you're not alone in that feeling. Even David, one who is after God's own heart in the Bible, he actually struggled with this as well. In Psalms chapter 73, King David is raw with God as he's talking about this. And he says, starting with verse 12, look at them, the wicked, they are always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocent for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary, and then I understood their destiny. I think it's so interesting that at that turn is when David's mentality changed. He was envious of seeing the wicked succeed until he entered God's presence. And so I encourage, if you see other people succeeding around you, maybe it's in work, getting promotions that you deserve, get into God's presence because he has different blessings for you. He has something for you too. And remember, Romans 5, 8, as I said before, God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You can be thankful for that. So number one, remember all he has done. And number two, thank him in all circumstances. Now, this can be even more difficult. We don't thank him for all circumstances. There are many times where things are difficult. You might be in a difficult circumstance right now, a difficult season. But we can thank him in all and through all situations. And for this, I think we should look at two people from the Bible who had to thank him even in the midst of dire circumstances. The first one is Daniel, starting in chapter 6. This is a time when Israel was in exile. Daniel, being one of the Israelites, was in Babylon, being oppressed in that situation. But Daniel still prayed to God every day. And this is what happened. Daniel chapter 6, starting with verse 7, the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects and satraps, advisors, agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any god or man except the king of Babylon will be thrown into the lion's den. You see, the king's advisors didn't like Daniel, and they were trying to get him gone, for lack of a better word. And so they, they encouraged the king to make this law where if anyone prays to Yahweh or any god besides the king, they'd be thrown into the lion's den. But what did Daniel do when he realized that was the situation he was in? Did he stop thanking God? Did he stop praying? No. He goes on to say, when Daniel learned that this document had been signed, he went into his house the windows in its upper room, which opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he did before. I find that so good that Daniel gave thanks just as he did in a season without danger, to now even being in danger, he still gave thanks, because that's a level of trust he had for God. Now, if you don't know the whole story, Daniel does get thrown in the lion's den, but he survives, and God saves him from that. There's actually a rare image of this event from the book of Daniel. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. <laughs> we got rights from the Smithsonian to show this today, so I hope you enjoy it. 
But even Daniel continued to give thanks in a dire circumstance. And one more illustration from Scripture. The Apostle Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he went on four missionary journeys all around Asia Minor. He sailed across the Mediterranean Sea, traveled to Greece, Turkey, and Rome. And on one of his journeys, he was on a ship in the Mediterranean, and a storm came, a great storm. And watch what happened during the storm. Acts chapter 27, starting with verse 30, recalls this event. It says, some sailors tried to escape from the ship during the storm. They had let down a skiff into the sea, pretending they were going to put out anchors from the bow. But Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. But the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff, and let it drop away. When it was about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, Today is the 14th day we've been in the storm. You have been waiting and going without food. Therefore, I urge you, take some food, for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair on your head. And after he said these things, had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all of them. He broke it, and he began to eat. Even for 14 days, being in a tremendous storm, people diving overboard for fear of their lives, Paul said, let's break bread together and thank God for it. Now, I don't know if you're like me and sometimes Google like crazy waves and cruise ships on YouTube. Just me? Okay, just checking. But I do that sometimes, and there's some incredible videos of cruise ships in just wild storms. This is actually one. I didn't want to show the video because it might give you motion sickness. But this image, these people survived, that cruise ship did survive, but it tilted like that and was tossed about by the waves for hours and hours. Imagine being on that ship, and some guy named Paul comes up to you and says, let's break bread and thank God together. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I would struggle in that situation. (laughs) I would probably be holding on for dear life. And yet that's exactly what Paul did in that situation. He said, I trust God. He has told me we're getting through this. Let's thank him in the midst of the circumstance. I also thought it was interesting that earlier, Paul tells the men, unless you stay on this ship, you won't survive. It's interesting that as soon as something bad happens to us, we pray to immediately leave that situation, make it stop. And I think maybe sometimes that that situation is actually taking us somewhere even greater that we don't know yet. And just as the men needed to stay on that ship to survive, maybe we just need to hang on a little longer because God has something for us on the other side. Amen? So remember all he has done. Thank him in all circumstances. And to cultivate a life of thankfulness, remember that Jesus already gave all. Jesus gave all so we can be thankful in all. You see, when Jesus Christ walked this earth 2,000 years ago, he had a singular mission. To die so that our sins could be forgiven once and for all. So that we could be restored into a relationship with God the Father. He knew that's why he came. Several times he told his disciples, I am going to die and be rose again but it's going to be painful. There's going to be suffering. And yet even knowing that was his fate, Jesus gave thanks. Two accounts of the Last Supper, the last meal Jesus had with his disciples before the cross. It goes like this. The first one in Luke chapter 22, starting with verse 14. It says, when the hour came, he reclined at the table 
and the apostles with him. And then Jesus said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Jesus eagerly desired for what was about to happen, to partake of this Passover. And he even gives thanks in Mark 14, verses 22. Another account of the Last Supper says this, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, gave it to them and said, take it, this is my body. And then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them. And so they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood that establishes the covenant. It is shed for many. I assure you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it in a new way in the kingdom of God. And after singing psalms, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You know, we usually don't think of Jesus Christ himself singing as he walked this earth. But it clearly says here that even after the Last Supper, Jesus sang psalms of thanksgiving. Isn't that incredible? And so if Jesus, even he, can be thankful, knowing he's about to give all, give his life for us, maybe we can begin cultivating that life of thankfulness every day. I looked up this stat several times because I couldn't believe it, but apparently we take 22,000 breaths a day. 22,000 breaths a day. No wonder we're all exhausted. That's a lot of work. But 22,000 breaths a day, surely we can spend just a few of those thanking God for something. And if you're not sure what to thank him for today, remember what he has done for you in the past. Thank him for the gift of salvation. And one final illustration. This is a picture of Eunice Sanborn. Eunice Sanborn at one time was the oldest living person. On July 20th, 2010, she was 114 years old. 114 years old. On her birthday that year at her church in First Baptist, Jacksonville, Texas, Eunice says that she not only loves everything about her life, but she also has no complaints. No complaints. We can spend 10 minutes at an outback with and have 10 complaints. And she had 114 years on this earth, and what she said was no complaints. I don't know, that hit me. And so let us work on that life of thankfulness, daily, remembering to thank God for the little things and the big things. Begin to keep a record of those things that God has blessed you with, that he's brought you through, so you can look back and thank him for those, even in the future. Build an altar so you can remember. And actually, let's thank him even now. If you would bow your head and close your eyes, just think for just a moment, something that you can thank him for. Maybe it's breath in your lungs this morning. Maybe he has blessed you with something incredible recently. Maybe it was something in the past. Maybe even before you served him. Just say, thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you for every good gift that comes from above. We thank you for your gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that in this season, there'll be relationships mended. God, I thank you for the children that will be brought back to the faith. I thank you for jobs and promotions that will be coming soon. And we thank you for all the provision that you have given us before. God, help us to be thankful, not just 10% of the time, not just one out of 10, 
but all the time. And now if you would keep your head bowed and eyes closed, we also want to give an opportunity. If you're saying, I didn't even know this person, Jesus died for my sins. He did. There's so much evidence that Jesus Christ truly existed, truly died, and truly rose from the dead. And he did it for you. And if you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, I want to be forgiven. We're going to pray a prayer all together, a simple prayer. And if you're saying, I'm giving my life to Christ even now, we want you to pray that too. But all of us together, let's all say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Teach me to follow you. Come into my life. Make me new. We're so glad you joined us today. Don't forget you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. We have special Christmas services coming up very soon, and you can find more information at crossingchristmas.com.